Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. Today is Monday, October 12th, 2000. And 20, I am your host, Detroit Sports Writer Nolan Bianchi. I'm here today with longtime Red Wings fan Ethan Smith. One heck of a weekend for your Detroit Red Wings. Finally making some noise. Free agency opened at noon on Friday, and the Red Wings wasted zero times. We got lots of transactions to talk to you about today. We got Steve Cornianos from the draftanalyst.com, host of the Draft Analyst podcast, coming up at the end of the show. He's going to talk to us about what he likes about the direction that the Red Wings are heading in with those free agent signings. And then we got him back on tomorrow to talk about uh, the Red Wings draft, what he likes, what he doesn't like. Uh, and, and to be honest, there was not a lot that he didn't like. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that. If you subscribe, it'll be waiting for you when you wake up in the morning. But first, I got to bring in Ethan. Welcome. How you feeling, man? Hi. Busy weekend for the Red Wings. Not necessarily a crazy weekend in NHL free agency, but I think – a lot of that that uh, stagnancy was completely drowned out by how active the Red Wings were. Um, very active. A great example of how this team is going to transition over these next two years. Um, would dude? Would you not say that this team is going to be is going to look ninety percent different in yep. a year to year and a half? I wouldn't even say two years. I think it'll be less than that. It's gonna look well. It's gonna look drastically different this year. I mean, like you look at how many uh, guys they they essentially added like two full lines uh, in the last couple of weeks. They you know they've added Stall. They've added uh, well. We'll just run through the list of who they got this weekend. They got Troy Stetcher, Vancouver Canucks defenseman, two years at one point seven million AAV. Vladislav Nemestikov, that came through the wire on Sunday morning, two years for $2 million per. Thomas Grice, they got for two years, uh, $3.1 million per. Wiley Barber, Kyle Kuskulo, uh, John Merrill, and Bobby Ryan, uh, both of those contracts were the first to come in at the free agency period, uh, both of those for a year. Bobby Ryan for $1 million and John Merrill uh, taking a discount, <laughs> a pretty massive discount to come home, the homegrown boy. Uh, at $925,000. Let me ask you your opinion on how this free agency transpired and how I'd say 90% of the, our free agent signings were all raving about how amazing Eiserman is and mm-hmm. how they trust him. And what's your, what's your thoughts on that? So that was actually kind of like one of my big takeaways from the weekend is it was like, what does it say? So I, after the Bobby, there was a Bobby Ryan quote that came out right after he signed. It was during his press conference. And he was like, I talked to Steve Eisman on the phone for 45 minutes. And that was pretty much a done deal. Uh, you know, he oozed confidence about the team and the, and the chance to be, uh, you know, uh, a part of this, you know, step in the process. He relayed a uh, conversation that he had with Dylan Larkin uh, where he talked to, Ryan talked to Larkin and, and Larkin basically said that he uh, that Detroit 
wanted to be a much more competitive team. You don't want to be bogged down uh, by the losing. And then this is something. And, and so I tweeted out after that, I was like, I'm, like did the whole mocking fun. I was like, Oh, why would anybody want to go to Detroit? And I got a tweet back and it was like, Hey, I get what you're saying, but you know, probably don't boast about these <laughs> signings. Like they're not, they're not really that great of signings. They're not like huge ticket free agents that pick Detroit over another place else. But I do think that what it symbolizes is I do think that's correct as well. But what I do think that it just kind of shows in general is that they Steve A will have the power and influence to make these bigger signings, these bigger trades when the time comes. And then also just that like the team believes or that these players believe in what he's selling. And while yes, signing Bobby Ryan and signing John Merrill is not going to turn this team into a a playoff contender by any means, but I think when you just look at the situation that the Red Wings were in and the fact that you got a lot of these guys to take bridge deals, to take uh, deals just really with money, probably undervaluing them, not undervaluing, but less money than you would have thought that they were going to get on the open market, I think is a very, very positive sign for just the operation that Steve is running. This is my hot take of yeah. this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Eisman will go down as, I don't know if this is true or not. He could be the first or one of the first few players to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame as a player and also as a general manager. I, 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 I wouldn't say huh? that's a hot take. It's going to happen. I mean, everybody, everybody kind of thinks that that will be the direction that his GM career eventually takes him but i agree i so which one of these contracts do you like the most honestly like the there's something to like about all of them i think and i like that they went out and they got the goalie at the right price jacob markstrom uh he ended up getting six years in calgary i was like dodged dodged a bullet there uh but other than that i mean what really caught your eye i think i think it's bobby ryan's one year one million dollar contract there's absolutely nothing to it. It's a guy that it's a right shot that you'll be able to plug anywhere you want in your lineup. Um, he's also come out and said he's been skating. He's been dropping weight. He can't stop the age, but he says he wants to pick up his speed again. I think he's very devoted, and I think he's really excited to be here. And I'd say that's that has to be my favorite. I also love Bobby Ryan. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love Bobby Ryan? And he comes back, he wins the Masterton last year. I really like, uh, I, I really like that deal as well. And I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I guess, give my general thoughts on all of them because I liked all of them so much. John Merrill was a very, very, very solid defensive defenseman for the Vegas Golden Knights this year. The fact that they got him in here for under a million dollars to me is a massive win. Uh, Thomas Grice, you kind of start to see, these goalies come off the board uh, pretty early on in free agency. I think going into day two, uh, it was like Aaron Dell, uh, Thomas Grice. Like those were the, those were the two big free agencies left. Obviously, there was still the possibility of you know maybe a trade with the Vegas Golden Knights for Mark Andre Fleury. That didn't happen. They had Grice at a very reasonable price. I think he had something like a nine twenty one save percentage over the last two seasons for the Islanders. Obviously, a very different situation playing with a much more defensive-minded team. But I'm looking at this Troy Stetcher deal, and we're going to have uh, 
Sam from the Broadcast Pod uh, on the show sometime this week. I believe I'm, I'll be talking to her on Monday uh, just about what Troy Stetcher brings because when you saw the deal announced, I don't know if you follow anybody on Vancouver Canucks Twitter, but they were losing their minds over losing this guy to the Red Wings for this price. And I think he's somebody who uh, is really going to have the chance to thrive with a little more opportunity. Then you just look at this Vlasdov, Nemestikov uh, deal that came through today, and I really like that as well. It's a $2 million contract. He bounced between three teams last season. I think he had five points in 12 playoff games for the Colorado Avalanche, ultimately. Uh, And that's a deal that has a lot of upside to it. I mean, he's been pretty solid at times. He had 31 points in 65 games last season. He has a 22-goal season under his belt. He's a guy who was drafted by Steve Eisenman in Tampa Bay. He's Slava Kozlov's nephew. I know a guy that Steve Eisenman thinks very, very highly of. And who knows, man, maybe once he gets back into a place where he's a little more comfortable, I know he said it was always a dream of his to sign with the Red Wings, and as soon as he had the opportunity, he jumped at it, which is another great thing to hear uh, from a player like that. So I, I, I just really – like that deal as well. Mestikov's an interesting one. Eisman draft pick. He lives here in the off season. Like this is going to be another fun one where I, I remember, I, I don't know if this got aired, but I thought I knew that we talked about this, Nolan, you and I, that this was somebody that we could pick up from Colorado. I'm really happy that it happened. Um, and I can actually see out of everything that we have signed, maybe besides Stetcher or Merrill, this could be somebody that fits in more long-term with us. Yeah, I mean, he's only 27. He'll be uh, 28 in November. And and kind of like Stetcher as well. Stetcher is a bit of a younger guy. He was a restricted free agent this year. The Canucks chose not to qualify him. And I think anytime you get in somebody like here, and we saw with Robbie Fabry last year, who figures into, you know, who has the potential to say, okay, I really like this kid. I think he can be around for a long time. That's what you saw with Fabry last year. He got that two-year deal uh, about a month ago. And I think that you're right. Nemestikov, Stetcher, Merrill has a chance to be uh, a a piece that kind of sticks with the Red Wings uh, throughout this rebuild process. And hopefully, you know, if for the Red Wings sake, if they were to be with the team, once they start pushing uh, to become a contender, I think that would be nothing but a positive sign for the Red Wings. But we'll get more. Uh, we'll dig more into this probably later on in the week. We have a jam-packed week. We're going to be kind of taking it easy. We have lots of interviews. Last week was uh, really just absolutely crazy. So we're we're, we're going to be going through some interviews. It's all going to be you know pretty topical, pretty based on current events. Uh, but I, I figure that at some point we will have to sit down and start thinking about what this lineup is going to look like. But first, we shall see. <laughs> we got to talk to you guys about Built Bar. Listen, guys, it's the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. If you're looking for that midday fix to get you to your next meal, meal Built Bar is the way to go. The new improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser than the Built Bar of years past. Let's check out these amazing flavors. They've got caramel brownie. They've got cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Their bars are coming in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, uh, and they're great for the health-conscious guy. You can lose or maintain while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. They're great for the keto diet. Uh, and right now, when you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKDOWN, you get 20% off of your next order. A whopping 20% off your next order. 
That's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. And we also have to talk to you guys today about Roman. Now, listen, guys, the conversation surrounding erectile dysfunction, it's not an easy conversation to have. Usually, we'll just brush it off or blame ourselves. But Roman is here to get you the advice that you want and the help you need with no shame at all. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you, real medicine, with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash on and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and connect with an, a doctor to take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com to get $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's an unbelievable value. $50 off your first month of treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. Fedorov gives him the business. All right. We are now joined by Steve Cornianos of the Draft Analyst.com, uh, host of the Draft Analyst podcast. You can check out his YouTube page, Prospect Film Room. He is one exhausted man now that the NHL draft uh, is officially over, but he has been nice enough to join us here on this fine Sunday evening to talk about what the Red Wings did and help us kind of tie up. A, uh, a crazy weekend in free agency as well. So without further ado, let's welcome in Steve Cornianos. We're super happy to have you, man. How are you today? Good. Likewise. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate uh, you having me on. So we have lots of questions about what transpired with the Red Wings in their 2020 draft. They ended up taking a lot of bigger swings, uh, what, what have been deemed to be bigger swings on high upside picks. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit. We would like to get your opinion on some of these guys as well, because you are the draft analyst. You are the prospect expert. But first, we got to talk real quickly about what went on over this past weekend. The Red Wings pretty active in free agency, maybe a little more, a little more active than some people thought. They end up going, you know, some of the bigger fish: Bobby Ryan, John Merrill, Troy Stecker, Thomas Grice, and then they wrap it up today by waking up. Uh, everybody with the news that they've signed Vladislav Nemestnikov. Uh, so what have you thought about what the Red Wings did over the weekend in, in terms of the strategy as they uh, kind of navigate an, uh, an unusual free agency period? Uh, well, it's clear to me that, that Isamain wanted no part whatsoever of any type of long-term deal or long-term commitment. Uh, I think you can look at what they've done, not just in the moves they made before, free agency opened up, uh, but also uh, at the draft and what have you, that they're definitely stockpiling picks again. So, and not, you know, for 2021, and probably eventually you have to assume they'll do it again for 2022. So this is definitely a long-term rebuild. I, I, I have a feeling that when he took over, considering his relationship with ownership, his reputation in the city, uh, that he's going to be given a very long leash. Uh, to fix this, that there's, even though they have a brand new arena and the attendance has gone down, I think every year in the last three seasons since it opened, uh, that they are more than willing to take this, uh, play the long game. And so that's why you didn't see Eisenman go out and make a big splash 
for any type of notable name. I mean, some of these names might have been notable four or five years ago. What, Bobby <laughs> Ryan, man? Come on. But, but I, I like that. I like that. On the surface, it looked like he's upgraded at several positions. But the one yeah. thing that I think he realizes and probably the front office realizes and the fans should realize is that with all due respect to Dylan Locke, and there's still no franchise player. You know, there, there's still no legitimate star number one guy to, to carry the defense, carry the, carry the offense. And so you're looking at um, maybe a – a similar situation uh, like the Islanders, if you want to say that maybe Don Larkin is almost on par with a Matthew Barzal, where it's going to be just a lot of stuff done by committee. Penalty killing, defense by committee, scoring by committee, uh, goaltending almost even by committee. So uh, he really, listen, he, he could only go one direction and that was up. And I, I like the <laughs> fact that he did not really tie himself. Now, I, I advocated for him to sign at least one big name to get interest generated again and to put seats, uh, uh, put Fannies back in the seats in, the, in that new arena there. But uh, he chose not to, and I don't think it's a bad move. I mean, everyone – he's still got luck. What, like 20, 20 million on the cap uh, mm -hmm. remaining? So uh, no real uh, major issues from the contracts he gave out either. I mean, Thomas Grice for 3.6 mil for two seasons, that's, that's really good. I mean, he was – Definitely yeah. a cable number one. He's not going to have the defense that he had in Long Island, but uh, still, I think he's a he's a pretty good goalie to have. And so, uh, if I would give him a grade, I would say definitely somewhere between like a B plus and an A minus, considering all things considered, uh, what he was operating on the. And I, it's obvious that he, he, these weren't moves that were made to become a playoff team or a Stanley Cup contender. These were moves made to stabilize the situation and not be as bad as they were last year, but at the same time, probably going to be in the mix again for the first overall pick, which I think might be part of his plan. Well, I think there's something to it uh, as well. And I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this, like just the kind of just the emotional uh, wiping or, you know, mental wiping of the slate. When you have all these guys left over from Ken Holland's, regime the the albatrosses that weighed it down the jonathan erickson's the abdicators the howards the dailies uh there's even rumblings of potentially and nielsen buyout somewhere in the works i i guess i don't really know if i think that's a likely thing to happen but what do you think about just this kind of uh complete overall in departure from the previous regime do you think that has any like mental impact on the players the new rebuild or, or anything like that it should. It should also have a, an impact on the season ticket holders. I think they have a role in this as well. Where you're saying like, hey, we really are rebuilding. And I know that you love these guys. Some of them were there back in 08 and 09. But uh, it's really time to move on. We have to establish a new uh, legacy or a new history in this franchise's, uh, you know, uh, you know, you're talking about an original six. So and there's a long history. and Maybe establish your own chapter at least. So, uh, I, I, because of the salary cap, maybe if this was a pre-salary cap, we'd be like, ah, I don't know, man. He, you know, Val Philippolo, my goodness, uh, Damian, these are warriors, soldiers. They were there. Let's keep them. Maybe they commented the young guys. But when you, you know, you, you got guys making four or five million dollars a year, and they're really not impacting the standings or helping the team become an impact team somewhere in the standings. That you got to make a business decision and move on. So. Uh, 
with that, they'll have that money freed up, whether they're on buyouts or they just let the contract ex- expire and they trade them off for some late round picks or middle round picks. That's fine. Uh, but I think really the cleaning of the slate, like you said, is the right thing to do. If you want to rebuild the right way and you're not really anywhere near, especially if you look at that division where the two of the top teams in the league, uh, mm-hmm. Tampa Bay and Boston are standing in your way. And then you got all those other teams standing in your way, yeah. whether it be for the playoff bubble or for, the, for that last wild card spot or the third place spot. Uh, it's just better off to be realistic and treat this like a business, a long-term strategy and, and just start fresh. And the Rangers did it a couple of years ago, that, something that they've never done. They wrote a letter to the fans, said, hey, we're sorry, we suck, but uh, stay with us. We're going to rebuild the right way. And the only thing that really was stopping them were all these NMCs and NTCs. I rid of some of those guys a long time ago. But uh, those N- So considering that, uh, what is Phil? Philip was a 35-plus. Uh, he's going to probably – he's only got one year left. Uh, Helm's got one year left. Uh, Nielsen's got a modified no trade. He's got, what, two years left. I mean, these are all very manageable, very manageable mm-hmm. uh, contracts to move if you have to. And like I said, he, and then it's going to be on him. Once you get rid of all that, that's the one thing about uh, you know, when you take on someone else's uh, you know, luggage or uh, you know, dirty laundry, whatever you want to call it, when you, when you uh, accumulate them or when you acquire them automatically, uh, you're given a little bit of a grace period, right? You could say, mm-hmm. well, hey, it ain't my problem. Once you wipe the slate clean, though, then it's game on. Then you're really going to have no excuse. Yeah. And I think that's the way Eisenman wants it. He doesn't want to have anything stopping him from doing what he wants to do. Steve, what did you think about our draft overall? I liked it a lot. Ooh, I liked it a lot. Um, the only pick that I questioned was the Draper pick. Uh, he's a seventh rounder. <laughs> he, he's a seventh rounder. Yeah, he's a seventh round pick. And he got drafted by his father. I don't, I, you know, and we'll talk about that. But he's a good player. And I'm, you know, I can tell you about his game. But, uh, I mean, I, I looked at – I'm looking at it right now, the way that I broke it down. I always break it down how Central Scouting ranks guys, how I rank guys, and where the teams picked them. And, uh, like, I had Niedebach at 48. They took him at 51. I had Hannes at 58. They took him at 55. I had um, – uh, Raymond at nine, they took him at four. I had Bounder at 53, but I said time and again, he's first round quality. They got him at 32. Uh, Vero, I had at 56, they took him at 70. Uh, so really, throughout the whole, if, if you're drafting guys where I think you, you should draft them, and you're not making these weird off the wall picks that you, you're trying to be the smartest people, on this. and uh, you know, that oh, the consensus, we they don't know anything, we, we, we're smarter than them, we're gonna draft these obscure guys. No, they drafted guys that we all knew about. We all talked about them. Uh, every single one except for Draper was in my draft guide. So if you bought the draft guide, you had a copy of it. You, you had that detailed scatter report. So clearly I'm on board with what they did. Uh, the only real surprise I said outside of Draper, and really it shouldn't be that much of a surprise, was that Raymond did in fact go, go forth when they had options. I felt that maybe they might have been a little leery about uh, Raymond based on what happened last year but I mean it's a beautiful draft I, I, I'm looking at the names I don't care if it's Swedish heavy or Euro heavy uh, they didn't really dip into the, the Canadian Hockey League all that much uh, I thought it was a very well balanced well thought of well planned draft I really like it so I want to ask uh, uh, you know kind of about some of those Swedes and the guy I want to start with is Theodore Niederbach 
Right yeah. now, I believe he is leading the J20 League over in Sweden in points. I mean, what can you tell us about him? Why was why was the buzz on him kind of low? Because I feel like ever since the draft happened and we've been honing in on this guy, he seems to be quite the quite the star. Yeah, he was a he had an injury. He had a couple of injuries. I think he had a a knee and a hip, or a knee and maybe just a knee and an ankle, or maybe just one. But he had injury issues. He's always been considered a high-profile Swedish prospect from the 2002-year group. So he's been involved in all the international tournaments. But last year, 18-19, he missed a lot of time. And so uh, when he went back to Frölunda, which is, of course, the big-time program and that you know, Lucas Raymond was a part of as well, they were loaded. And they had a center named Carl Hendrickson, a Ranger draft pick, as their number one. But when Hendrickson was kind of – Hendrickson was bouncing between – uh, the A-team and the J-20, Niederbach was filling in. And he and his winger, Torgerson, were, had such beautiful chemistry with one another. I mean, Niederbach is the playmaker, the setup guy, uh, but he's got a, he's a, the stick handling and the puck control, really fantastic. And I would say it was first-round quality. And then little by little, I started giving him bumps up. I mean, it's actually funny that they drafted Vero as well because Vero is known as one of the better positional – defenseman like one-on-one because he's got he's such a like a textbook technically superior skater for a defenseman in all areas and at the u18 five nations in february which is like a best on best including everybody except canada uh niederbach came down one-on-one down the left wing and he absolutely undressed vero undressed him (laughs) i i tweeted it out and he he ended up finishing and scoring and so I'm like, listen, uh, this kid, Danitabak, I think this might be, I don't want to say it was his arrival because he was, I think Central Scanning was kind of high on him. They had him somewhere in like the 20s or 25 range on their final European ranking, but that came after that tournament. So uh, you're getting a, a playmaking center with a high hockey IQ. He's just very smart. I mean, he's the guy, I'll just sum it up very, very easily. He's the guy you want controlling the puck on the line. He's the guy. You want him on the puck. You want him dictating play, dictating pace. Uh, the vision's fantastic. And he actually played with Raymond a little bit at the end of last season when Raymond got demoted down to the J20 level. So, uh, And as of right now, he's absolutely torching it, torching it. I mean, talking about almost two points a game or something like that. So uh, I thought it was a great pick where they got him. Which pick did you like the most in rounds two or three? Uh, for the Red Wings? Uh, I would say I liked all of them. Maybe the Sobrango pick was a little bit off the board. I had him at 134. They got him at 63. Wow. Uh, but considering that they already got Volander and they already got Vero, uh, maybe I would have opted for a more of a playmaking type, maybe Anton Johannesson, another Swedish kid, although he's a little small. I don't know if Emil Andre was available at that pick at 63. I think Flies might have taken him. The second round, I think it was, or maybe third round. But uh, in any event, I, I thought what rounds one through three, I mean, Raymond, Volander, Niederbach, Hannes, Sobrango, Vero, that is outstanding work, outstanding work. Uh, you know, really, it, it just – you got so many different types of plays there. You got defensemen with sides who could skate, defensemen who could be shutdown types. With uh, Vero, he's physical. Volander is definitely physical. Uh, Hannes is like this high, human highlight reel of all these fancy plays. Uh, Nita Bakabi himself, a human highlight reel. And then you got, a, you know, the, the prize really being Lucas Raymond, where if everything works out, you're looking at a potential 
you know, 75 to 80 point franchise kind of a winger. Um, so yeah, I, I, I there, there wasn't one point in rounds one through three where I kind of raised the eyebrow at what the Red Wings did. Uh, outside of the Sobrangle pick, but the Sobrangle, listen, he's a big, mobile, physical defenseman, a shutdown guy, uh, kind of like sneaky skills offensive-wise. But, you know, you, you, I, you know, considering how many picks they had, what, uh, like seven picks in the, in the first three rounds or was eight picks or six, whatever it was, they're not going to make me happy on all of them, but I'm not, I'm not a Red Wings <laughs> fan. And I found myself happy with uh, every, every – it seemed like every pick that they did or they made. So I know some Red Wing fans were a little – not really concerned or confused, uh, but uh, that's hopefully where a guy like me could step in and, and uh, add a little bit of perspectives. So, yeah, I thought they did a great job. There's an old man sitting next to me making love to his tonic and gin. <laughs> All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much to Steve Cornianos. Uh, he'll be with us again tomorrow as we look back at the draft, look at the biggest hits, the biggest misses, the guys with the biggest upside, and a whole lot more. Keep it locked in. See you guys tomorrow. Same time, same place. It's your Every team. Every day. Ha, 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 ha. Screw you. I cut you off.